Hello, and welcome to Canada Reads American Style. I'm Shauna. And I'm Rebecca. And today, I'm really excited to introduce our guest because this is a person who we've been chatting with uh, for a long time, probably almost the whole year that we've been at this on our Instagram page. And I finally twisted Tara's arm to come along and chat with us. And we're really excited to have her today. So I'd like to introduce Tara from Burlington, Ontario. And her Instagram account is on a branch knits and reads. And of course, we will put a link to it in the description below. But welcome, Tara, to our program. Thank you, ladies. It's uh, exciting to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure. As you mentioned, I'm uh, from Burlington, Ontario, originally from the East Coast, from Newfoundland. So I moved to Ontario about, I think it's been about 25 years now. I'm married, two boys, one golden retriever and two cats. And I read a lot and I knit. Okay. I did not know you were originally from Newfoundland. So we will have to talk about that because I assume you read... Oh my gosh. Oh, small game hunting. Yeah, small game hunting. Yes. <laughs> and yeah, so we'll have to talk about that on the side at some point because I did not know you were from Newfoundland. But anyway, welcome. We're really Thank excited you. to have you here. And I think Shauna might want to explain what today's program is about because it is in honor of Shauna that we are here today talking about <laughs> a specific book. Yes, we are officially in romance land with our Love and Laughter series. And our first book for September is Aisha at Last. And I'm gonna have Rebecca pronounce our author's name because she is so fabulous at it. Well, <laughs> she tries really hard not to butcher people's names because it's such a rude thing to do. But I believe the author's name is Uzma Jalaluddin. This book is touted as the Muslim version of Pride and Prejudice. And there are several different colloquialism, colloquialisms. <laughs> nice job. <laughs> <laughs> no, really, it was good. You did good. You want to say that word for me? That's a tough one. <laughs> colloquialisms. <laughs> From Shakespeare and Pride and Prejudice. <laughs> so... One of the things that I really enjoy about romance books is how they make me feel. And this book made me feel so many different emotions. What types of feelings did you have while reading it? When I started reading the book, I was very upset because they were talking about being Muslim in a workplace and Khalid's new boss was very against his religion and his choice of dress and mannerisms. And so at the very beginning, I was like, "Ooh, I'm not going to like this at all. I just do not condone with people not being respectful of others. And so finally, as we were introduced with more and more characters, that's when I started to get more of a sense of like, oh, okay, this is going to be really nice. And I don't know that much about the Muslim religion. So it was so educational for my cultural mindset in being able to understand the characters. So later on, when we start meeting the female characters and they're trying to 
they're struggling with the concept of staying true to their religion, but also becoming part of this contemporary modern uh, society that everybody is living in. And how do you stay with your identity versus the identity of someone that you're you're in a relationship with? But so you, I felt the struggles. I felt the like the upset of discord with religion and society norms and then of course you feel the love and the giddy there's like giddy cheesy moments where i'm sure we've mentioned this quite a bit where aisha is brushing the flower off college cheek and where he made he bought her a notebook and he has the same exact notebook because writing is so important to her and he wanted to show his care and respect for her choice in what she wants to do with her life. So those are some of the feelings that I got as I was reading the book. Very similar to you, Shauna, especially initially when you first meet Khaled at work with Sheila, who was a horrible person. And there was no, she had no saving grace. So she was horrible. I got swept into the whole love story of it almost right from the beginning when they first meet at the bar. And so it was just, I loved watching them. I had moments of frustration when I just wanted them both to speak truthfully to each other. But then at the same time, I understood them not wanting to like this barrier that they'd put up between themselves and, and even between themselves and the world that they weren't able to speak clearly and truthfully just put stuff out there. But I loved it and it was humorous. There were moments like it was so warm and light, like you mentioned with the cooking and the kitchen. More frustration as these, I, I'm gonna call them silly characters would come in and kind of like prevent them from getting together. But overall, I, the book just made me feel good. I just really loved it. And I had a similar to you and that I don't know a lot about the Muslim culture. And I loved that there were moments when she just, she didn't always explain what she was talking about, but she would just mention something about Muslim culture and it was just put there. And I would then find myself going in a rabbit hole of doing a little bit of research. So even though it was like a romance book, I learned so much from reading this book because she kind of forced me to learn things. You know, I actually think that's a really, really good point because I was surprised that she didn't have a key in the end or that gave us an indication of what some of those terms meant. So I was doing the same thing because I tend to do that anyway. Whenever I'm reading something, if I don't understand the context or what it is, I look it up. So I kind of felt the same way. I was actually doing the same thing. For me, here's, and Shauna said I was going to, you know, like rip this a new one or whatever, but here's how I felt about the book because I'm not a big romance person, right? But yeah, I, I'm not either. Yeah. And in reading it, I think it reminded me of a combination of like a Bollywood movie or a Korean drama because I do watch a lot of Korean dramas in, in that the characters are larger than life and there's going to be a certain amount of very innocent romance, unlike most North American movies that are hardcore, even just like 
an R-rated movie is so hardcore compared to like Bollywood or Korean dramas, etc. So for me, the characters were larger than life, a little over the top, but I also understand that was kind of the point of it because it was supposed to be, you know, homage to Jane Austen. And then there's the whole Shakespeare thing, which we'll talk about a little bit later. But I will say the two things that made me, well, let me go back first and say, the one thing that really made me angry was Sheila character, because I'm telling you right now, if that kind of behavior is going on with HR people in this country or in North America, that makes me crazy because I'm responsible for our own HR. I've been in large organizations. And I, I mean, someone like Sheila, I pray, does not actually work in in the field of HR because she was completely awful. She probably broke every law in the United States for, you know, hiring or HR kind of things. So that was just appalling. And then, but I will say the two things that I loved was, yes, when, when Aisha brushed the flower out of Khalid's beard, I was just like, that. I have to admit, that gave me a twinge, which I loved. That was cool. And then when he gave her that diary and he, I can't remember exactly what he said now, but when he gave it to her, that was just a really beautiful, romantic moment. And those were the two pieces where I felt like I was reading a mature kind of true story, whereas everything else felt a little bit cartoonish to me and a little over the top. So I liked it, but I wasn't, I don't know that I would recommend that book. I would recommend it to people who like this genre, but for somebody like me, it was nice, but I wouldn't re necessarily recommend it uh, to people like myself. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> okay. Is that, is that good, Shauna? <laughs> I didn't, I wasn't too mean, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we've, we've all kind of mentioned Sheila here and I'm curious, have either of you ever met a person that is like her? I have not. I haven't met a Sheila but I think I've seen like glimpses of Sheila, if that makes sense. You know, like just, just comments that some people will make just in passing. I work retail and a customer as she was leaving said something. Now I didn't pick it up because I was, had moved on to the next thing, but my manager had, and she was like, I can't believe she just said that. And I'm like, holy Lord, I can't, you know, I'm kind of glad I, didn't hear it because I don't know how I would have reacted, even though you know how you want to react. So I think, although I've never met a Sheila, I've seen glimpses of Sheila, unfortunately. And I have to say that I think especially online, we see all sorts of Sheilas everywhere because oh, yeah. when you think of it from the standpoint of just out and out racist, awful, disgusting kind of language. I mean, we see that online, but I will tell you that in my own career, I, and I won't obviously say where, I lived in California for 30 years and because it's a, where I lived was very, in fact, everywhere I lived was very diverse, but I came back to Michigan and I have repeatedly worked or had meetings with people who were out and out racist, made out and out racist comments. And, you know, when this whole Black Lives Matter thing happened after the murder of George Floyd, you know, and they were talking about being an anti-racist, I had made 
a promise to myself because every time those horrible racist comments were made, I didn't say anything. And it made me feel really bad, especially because comments were made about Asian people. And I have a lot of Asian friends. And I thought, you know, going back when those meetings, if they resume, I absolutely have it all set. Like I've already made a decision about what I'm going to say, how I'm going to say it, because it makes me feel, you know, ashamed of myself that I didn't speak up. So yes, I have met Sheila. I I unfortunately work with Sheila's, which is very bad. And so, yeah, Shauna, that, yeah, that's, that's a, that's a tough one because nobody wants to know a Sheila, but probably in most cases we, we will have had some experience with someone like that. Yeah. So even though I feel like the Sheila in the book is, you mentioned that there are some characters that were over the top. I think Sheila is one of the over the top characters, but for a good reason. I think she really wanted to push this point about Sheila. But having said that she's over the top, I don't think in a bad way. Like I, well, she is, she's horrible character. I mean that there was a reason that she was really over the top. I agree. Yeah. That makes sense. I was wondering if this book changed your views or your understanding of arranged marriages. My view of arranged marriages, let's go back for like, for quite a while, like a long time ago. So when I was quite young, when you first start hearing about them, so that maybe in my early 20s or something, I had a very negative view of them. Like to me, it was something that was forced on the woman and that it was that she had no choice, no input into it whatsoever, and that it would not lead to a happy situation in her life. Now that has changed, fortunately has started to change for me several years ago, but I really appreciated that in this book, they showed the arranged marriage, but they showed the whole process and how much the women are involved in the process and that it is a voluntary choice for them to be involved in an arranged marriage and how much say that they have as to who they get married to the whole process i found it fascinating i had no idea it was this big of a process although i guess it, it should be it's you know it's a, a marriage but it's i realized that there are positive arranged marriages and it was really nice to see that I kind of feel a little bit the same way because I think when I was younger, although when I was younger, I was reading a lot of romance novels and I think sometimes marriages were kind of arranged, you know, and I, so I, I don't think I necessarily, and I was a young feminist at the age of 11, but I don't know that I ever really stopped to think that, you know, that it was something foisted on the woman because again, I was reading those romances and so I'm not sure that I ever thought that. However, as I've gotten older, and one of my favorite TV shows is <laughs> Married at First Sight, which is kind of an arranged marriage. Well, it is an arranged marriage. And it's been really fascinating to watch that because they have been put into a situation where they meet at the altar, they get married, and then they have so many weeks to, to see if they can, you know, if they're compatible. And then they have to decide if they're going to get divorced or stay married. And some of the couples have stayed married. They've had children. And I see that, and it's funny because in many of the cases, they ended up getting matched with someone who was not someone they normally would have been, who maybe they would have picked on their own. And so that's what's really fascinating about it is, you know, in the culture, because I have a friend who's from India, and I know that his, some of his family members were arranged, 
And then most of the young people have all found marriages on their own. And many of them are divorced and have remarried. But it is really interesting because I think it's fascinating in that what is the point of view of a marriage, which is in some in our culture, it's sort of just, well, you fall in love, you have children, blah, blah, blah. Whereas in, in other cultures, it is about bringing families together, developing these immense relationships and finding people who are compatible. And so I think, like, I think it's, I don't think it's a bad thing. And I, and I love that the cultures who do it have made it, have given us that insight into it. Now, on the other side of it, we certainly know that there are still obviously lots of arranged marriages where the young girls are just basically sold into sort of slavery, really. And so that's really awful. So I guess, obviously, we're talking about where the people, the two people involved still feel they have some ability and, and support from family and that it's being done for the right reason, I guess. But anyway, so yeah, I, I think it's kind of fascinating. I wouldn't mind seeing, you know, a society where most marriages were arranged to see if we couldn't do something to maybe make the divorce rate less and families stay together more, et cetera. So I would not be opposed. I'm too old now, but I would not be opposed to, to see, to seeing a society like that in a way. You know, your, your question, when I was first thinking about it, I'm like, Okay, what do I know about arranged marriages? I know that other cultures do them. In America, we did we called them mail order brides. And that is, I'm just thinking of like my knowledge of it. And I, I've seen it in TV and movies and read it in books. So I, I don't think I've ever taken the time to think about what it is and how would it ever affect my life and would I even do it if I needed to do it out of necessities? It's always been told that you can find the the person that you're supposed to fall in love with or want to be with or, you know, some people just end up being together for companionship. And it's interesting because as a quote-unquote millennial, my age group is no longer getting married the same way older generations had gotten married. And it's, even though it's something that I'm interested in doing, I don't feel like I have to do it right away kind of deal. So while reading this book, I got a really good understanding of uh, like you said, Tara, of how the whole process works. And it's nice to see that it's not as, it's not a forced type of thing. It is like peer pressure from your family. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh, the story isn't showing what the harmful side of things can do that Rebecca was talking about. Yeah, because I, I do want to be clear. I think that arranged marriages, if you're looking at like middle class or upper, upper middle class, and I'm not sure, like I'm thinking about India, and I don't know if it's like if middle class families do it for just financial gain, or I'm not sure exactly why, but I mean, I've read horrific stories about young girls being married to and, you know, older cousins or something like that. And, and I mean, those are really tragic, horrible situations. But I do think 
the ones that are done, like I say, to bring families together to create this larger extended group of people and bring them together. And the other thing that I think is, and I didn't say this before, but that I think is really fascinating is, you know, it's the idea that two people are together. And I've read stories about this before where two people are together for a long time and they grow in love because I think the concept, the, the sort of North American view of like, oh, you fall in love and get married. I think, I, I think it's such a, it's a loaded situation in that falling in love means you could fall out of love, which is what a lot of people, over 50% of people do in this country, right? So in that growing in love, I think there's a different commitment that people make, which is we've made a life together, we have a family together, and they have that, that like I say, that large family group and, and it's all connected. So I think they see a bigger picture, whereas again, at least in this country, it's every man for himself. And that's kind of how people operate. And as far as millennials not getting married, I'm not sure like why. I haven't read the sociological view of why they don't get or they get married less, but I would argue it's probably because boomers screwed it up for everybody else by, you know, getting married, divorce, married, divorce, married, divorce, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. So it's probably why uh, millennials hesitate to get married, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> that's just my guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, and that, and the little bit of research I've done about it is that's the reason why they don't want to fall into the same patterns that their their parents or their grandparents were in. So now I'm going to ask this question, and I think it's kind of loaded because it could either be something that nobody's had experience with, in which case it's a dead question, or or the answer could just be I don't know. So here's the question, and I will admit it came out of the back of the book one of the discussion questions, but the question does say, how does Khalid Mirza, a bearded, white robe-wearing romantic, challenge stereotypes about Muslim men in Aisha at last? I thought about this question. This was a tough one because I almost find that Khalid is a stereotype for me. He fits the stereotype that I have in my head as just like uh, as a flat, like a two-dimensional character would, as a stereotype would be. However, as the book progresses, even right from the beginning, you get that he is so much more than the stereotype. Yet he as a character sometimes can't get away from the stereotype himself. So I don't know, I found sometimes, I don't know if he did challenge the stereotype, but that there were other male characters in the book that did, like her grandfather. He was more of a challenge to the stereotype than I the, that I have in my head as, you know, spouting the Shakespeare. And he seemed more open and relaxed and easygoing with everything. And even her uncle, who still fit into stereotypes as well, I found broke them a little more than I would, I thought Khalid did. Because, and I think Khalid wanted to break down the stereotypes, but just couldn't sometimes. He had such a struggle himself with being a good Muslim versus a bad Muslim. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Here's my take on this question. So I, I kind of viewed it a little bit different, but I will say first that I was really disappointed that he made that transition at the end. Because here's my thing about the, about the stereotype. Think about it. How many times have we seen 
a traditional Muslim man in a romantic capacity? Probably the answer is, unless you've been watching like Bollywood movies or, you know, something like that, probably almost never. And that's just it. We don't have a sense of a, of a, a traditional Muslim man in a romance. So in that sense, I love that he was who he was. He wore the, you know, he had his beard, he had his robes. He was true to his faith and true to his, the way he was raised. And, and I'm not sure it's that whole melting pot theory, right? Where everybody comes to the, to North America and everybody just assumes the dominant culture. And that's awful because nobody, well, I shouldn't say that. I don't want that. I want people to be who they are, be true to themselves. And so I want to be able to look at a bearded man wearing robes and think, yikes, he is really hot. And I've seen, <laughs> I'm not going to lie. I've seen that. I've seen that, you know, like on maybe TikTok <laughs> or something, but I'm just saying, you know, it's really fascinating that, that we, in order for him to really kind of almost be accepted, he had to change who he was and he wasn't comfortable. And I, and I kind of, my feeling in the book was, I hope that he grew his beard out and wore his robes after that. Like he went back to who he was. Me too. I was disappointed. I understood why they felt he had to change for that situation he was going into. But I was disappointed that he did. So I'm the same way, Rebecca. I'm hoping that he, after that was happened at the end of the book, that he goes back. Because I loved that Aisha was attracted to him as he was right from the beginning. Like when she first saw him across the room and he had his robe on, she noticed his broad shoulders in his robe. Like, you know, she was attracted to him as he was. And I, and I have to say, too, one of the things about a conservative culture I actually think is really sexy is I think being covered up is really sexy because I always think of it this way, that when they're together on their own and all of that stuff comes off, like that's got to be really sexy. But when you're dating somebody or married to somebody who lets it all hang out, male or female, and everybody gets to see it, you're kind of like, oh, well, you know, it's it's so exposed. Whereas I've always thought conservative, a conservative look is way sexier. So I loved Khalid. Like I would have been all over Khalid. <laughs> I would have loved him. And when he gave her that book, I thought, this is my man. Like I loved him for that. So anyway, all right, cool. In Shakespearean tradition, which of course is a major part of the book in that Nana, her grandfather is very much a student of Shakespeare. It says the book ends with numerous couples, some in love and others with arrangements that will lead to love. Who is your favorite couple and why? My favorite couple is Clara and Rob. And I Clara's character, she's so supportive. She's so loving and she is just the best of friends. And I felt so heartsick when she had to have the discussion with Rob about getting married. And so at the end, when Aisha is the one who goes through and does a, uh, a rish, rishka? Rishta. Yeah. For Clara, because... It's very, even though Clara is not the same ethnicity as Aisha, they're best friends. And she really celebrates and respects 
Aisha's culture and religion. So when Aisha goes through and does the Rishta for Clara and Rob, that was just like the ultimate moment for me. And because I already knew that Aisha and uh, Khalid were going to get together, that's, you know, the whole premise of the book. Uh, that's one of Rebecca's touts against romance books is that you're always going to know what's going to happen at the end. Well, I didn't know what was going to happen with Clara and Rob. And so when they actually went through and made the decision to get married, that's what made me super happy. I have to go with Aisha and Khalid because they were just, I don't know, I'm going to use that old cliche. I think they were meant to be together. We know that Khalid is conservative and traditional, but Aisha in her own way was as well, but yet she still embraced the modern world, being a teacher and her, her spoken poetry, which I loved the little bits of poetry that she threw in for Aisha when she was performing. But I feel like they were just such a good couple together and that he then embraced her wanting her poetry and encouraged her to pursue it. I just, I just like them together. I have to say, okay, so I'm going to kind of do two because I think the obvious one for Mia is Aisha and Khalid. I, I think they, yeah, that's the whole point of the book, right? But you guys are so boring. No, no, no. You haven't. No, I you have not heard my whole answer yet. <laughs> take a take a chill pill there. Just let's let me finish. Here's my point. My point is. You guys, I do not understand why you like Claire and Rob. I wanted to punch both of them. I wanted to not have them not be part of the story. And I'll tell you why. I loved that she had, you know, she had a white friend and that they were so close. And I love that relationship. Like I loved Clara and Aisha together. But no, Rob. Okay, why do I want Claire to marry Rob? Rob is a slob. He doesn't he doesn't move, he doesn't do anything. He he doesn't want to be with her clearly. I'm sorry, he doesn't. And he had to sort of be forced to do it. And I'm not saying it should always be the man. I'm not saying that. It's just that he was such a non-character for me that I thought, "Clara, don't be a wimp." And and actually it reminds me of a Korean drama where the same thing happened where the guy was whatever and the girl was you know, desperate and to, to be married to him. And, and to me, I just, I did not like the, I did not like their relationship. So that was my least favorite. That was, they were my least favorite, but my other favorite. See, my thing is like, I didn't think that we got enough background on Rob to really say anything. So the only things that I could really go off of were the two times that they have dialogue. Right, with it, right, right. But that was, but that was my point though, is that to me, because I am somebody who, backfills. If you don't give me the story, I'm going to backfill it on my own. And I sort of felt like, so what I'm saying could be complete crap. I don't know. But I feel like, I feel like he was a slob. I feel like he wasn't giving her what she needed emotionally because she seemed kind of sad to me. And so I felt like, what the hell, man? Just like, you know, kick him out of the house and tell him, you know, go find another wonderful man, but it's not him. But no, the one that I have to admit, the relationship I loved, which we really almost didn't see at all until the very end, well, not even see it, but we're told about it at the very end, was Khalid's sister Zarina and her husband. The fact, I mean, seriously, the fact that they they married and they had a, you know, a, a child and 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 he was nerdy and everything and and she was happy. Like I was so happy she was happy because I was really 
like dying over her. Like I thought, what is her backstory? What happened to her? And then when you find out and then you think, oh, you know what? There's a romantic story right there because they were, they're like a beautiful couple to me. Can I put out there for my least favorite? Hafsa and Masood, her cousin yeah. and the wrestling oh, yeah. coach. <laughs> yeah. Those two were <laughs> so unlikable characters, but highly entertaining. Like I, there are some really funny moments with both of them. And that wrestling coach, the texts that he was sending her were hilarious. And the life coaching and stuff. Yeah. I, when they got together at the end, I'm like, eh. But I, I think they deserve each other. But I was like, oh, I do not like them. <laughs> I agree. They did definitely deserve each other. So I want to know how important was it to you that the book was an homage to Pride and Prejudice and that at the end of the book, there were 14 references to Shakespeare. Like it actually tells you at the end of the book, if you click on this part on the ebook, it did. If you click on this part, it refers to the a passage of Shakespeare. There were 14 references of Shakespeare. How much did that play a part in whether you liked the book, didn't like the book, or recognized or didn't recognize those parts of Shakespeare? Like how important was Pride and Prejudice in the process and Shakespeare? Well, for the Shakespeare part, I really just kind of glossed over those because it isn't important to me as a reader. I understand that it was used as a literary device to draw more like a connection between Aisha and her writing and poetry and how Shakespeare is all about love and romance and he writes in a lyrical way. So... And I think it was another device to allow Aisha's grandfather to have or show wisdom and give Aisha advice about how she can do different things with her life. I think I paid more attention to the pride and prejudice part of it, especially in regards to I was like the part where Aisha is pretending to be her cousin. I'm like, that doesn't happen in Pride and Prejudice. Why, why is this important? This can't be important anymore because it's not in part of part of Pride and Prejudice. So, but the other aspects of like the characterization and the number of couples involved in the story are part of the homage to Pride and Prejudice. So I think it stuck to it enough for me to stay. I was involved all the way to the end to see how much it would how closely it would replicate Pride and Prejudice, especially with it being touted as the Muslim version of Pride and Prejudice. I had actually very similar to Shauna, the Shakespeare, I kind of just glossed over. I loved that her grandfather would quote Shakespeare because I could just imagine this little old man just quoting Shakespeare and I love that image of him. But as a reader, I did just kind of gloss over it. I'm a huge Pride and Prejudice fan, so that gripped me right from the beginning. And I was always looking for parallels between this book and Pride and Prejudice. And sometimes I think it followed it kind of spot on. And then other times, I, there were a couple of times when I felt like she was kind of grasping for the Pride and Prejudice parallel. So just kind of threw something in that I wasn't a huge fan of in, in, in the book. But overall, yeah, I was all in for the Pride and Prejudice and like looking for it and 
expecting something to happen here because it happened in Pride and Prejudice. All right, I'm going to openly admit now I'm going to be vilified and stuff, and that's okay. But I actually have never read Jane Austen. I've seen all the movies and everything on PBS and all that, but I've never read. I tried reading Pride and Prejudice, got to the last like 25 pages and never finished it. But my question then for you is, can you talk about some examples of maybe where, like you said, she was reaching a little bit to try to draw that parallel? Can you think of an example like that? Now you're putting me on the spot because I'm not going to be able to remember the characters' names from Pride and Prejudice. But towards the end of the book, in this book, and Aisha at last, when Tarek, when Tarek, so the good-looking, like the, that she met guy, right? That she was all like, oh my God, he's really hot. When his whole plan comes out at the end, during the, the big convention that they were having, and he was, all of a sudden he'd made this video and everything was a ruse just to get back at Khalid's mother for separating him from Khalid's sister like 12 years before. I found it was just, he just kept this little, this video kept like throwing stuff at, and I'm like, I, I know you're trying to make him the bad guy, but I felt there was other ways that it could have gone instead of just totally piling it on in this way. I know the character she was trying to go with from Pride and Prejudice, but I found it just, I didn't like the feel. It almost veered too much. It made him too vile. And it, I didn't like the attack on Khalid's mother either, actually, even though she wasn't a truly likable character herself. I'm not sure that she had deserved this public shaming that she got either. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's interesting because the, like the Pride and Prejudice, the only, and again, because I never read it and I've only seen the movies, but the one parallel obviously I drew was the fact that, you know, Khalid was this conservative and he was very kind of a tight ass and everything. And then of course, Aisha plays, you know, the main character and, and, and all that. But I, I, I saw that to me, that was the only parallel just because I don't know the story that well, but with Shakespeare, I'm not kidding you. It was in high school, but I read, we did a lot of comedies and a lot of the dramas and stuff, but, or the tragedies. I've read a fair number of them, but what, for me, the comedies of Shakespeare, that's what this was to me. It was completely, that's what it was. Like the characters were over the top. Everybody falls in love. All's well that ends well. And then the characters like Farzana, the mother being vilified and then Tarek being, you know, being such a bad guy that, to me, that was all very Shakespearean. And I have to say, though, that I didn't necessarily grasp all the because I even kind of went back and started looking at those passages that are identified at the end of the ebook that takes you back to that part of the story of the Shakespeare stuff. And I didn't go back and look at them all because I, I don't have that much deep memory of all my Shakespeare that I've read. But that to me is where the book stood out was it was very, it seemed very Shakespearean and not necessarily sort of light Jane Austen, but very heavy Shakespearean in terms of the way the comedies played out. I mean, I see it as an over the top kind of comedy. Yeah, that was, uh, I think this has been a really good discussion in that we, we have varying points of view, which is always the best thing, right? We don't always want to agree. Do you think that 
we are expressing to everybody that this book has a lot to do with Shakespeare and a lot to do with Jane Austen. Do you think these classic literature-based books could turn readers off from it? Oh, that's a good question. That's a good question. Well, I will say this in my opinion about romances, as you know, I think for like, for somebody who just loves romances, I don't know if it's got enough, because again, there's no kissing, there's no physical touching or anything like that. So for somebody who likes sort of standard romances, that may not be enough. Maybe that would maybe be a turnoff. And maybe this is more like a literary romance than it is sort of falls right into the true romance sort of genre. I'm just guessing at that. So I don't know that this would necessarily attract romance readers as in a genre way, but definitely people who I think the Shakespeare, the Jane Austen, the different culture, because one of the things I wrote down, which I kind of liked, was at the back of the book, the author says she was, she doesn't see enough diverse and representational stories about Asian and especially Muslim Asians. And so I think people could be drawn to it for that reason, but maybe not necessarily romance genre readers. Right. And you see, you keep making fun of me for liking Jackie Lau. Yeah. What about it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying that I'm trying to diversify my romance reading. Oh, no. And I appreciate that about you, Shauna. How many maple leaves are you giving this book? I would give, I'm going to give it like three and a half. Can I do that? You certainly can. And I will give this book a four maple leaves. And Rebecca, well, how many maple leaves are you going to give this book? I give it three. And not because it's not a good book. It's because I just don't, I mean, it's, it was okay for me. Right. Well, our loyal listeners will understand our scale a little bit. We've explained ourselves many times. That's true. That's, that's true. All right. So here's my big wrap-up question, though. We have now officially, officially kicked off Love and Laughter for September through December of this year. And Shauna, are you happy? Did the book make you happy in that we got to read something other than an angst-filled tragic story that made it hard for you to finish. Are you a happy girl now? I am a super, super duper happy girl. <laughs> <laughs> I would just like to say thank you to Tara for joining us. We really, really enjoyed having you on our first uh, Love and Laughter series program. And uh, thank you so much for sharing your opinions. And we hope that you'll come back and join us again very, very soon. Oh, you're welcome, guys. I really enjoyed this. It was nice to get an introduction to, I haven't read a lot of romance either, so it was nice to have an introduction to it. I enjoyed it. That's so great. Thanks for listening. If you'd like us to continue providing great content like this, subscribe and tell all your friends about Canada Reads American Style. Goodbye.